Songezo Mabete on SAFM. Am I allowed to say at good long last? I met him in winter 2021. I told him that day I first met him, I want you on the show. I meet him again the following year's winter. Well, it kind of like makes sense. He's in the tourism industry. So I met him towards the end of winter when he was rearing to go for the spring and into the summer uptake in the tourism sector. Now I catch him on the tail end just about when he is taking his break, probably a week away from him starting his pre-season, whatever you call it in the tourism sector. The one and only Mr. Jerima Bena, Chief Executive Officer of Motsamayi Tourism Group. He is in studio and boy, has he brought a team with him here. One, two, three, four, five heads in the studio, including me. It seldom ever is more than two, usually just me and everybody else on air. So I absolutely do not take this opportunity lightly, nor the privilege and honor and that my to have you. Yeah, you're a busy guy and um, you're an entrepreneurial business executive with vast experience in the marketing and property management sectors former CEO of Teve Services, Jerry was responsible for managing a portfolio of subsidiaries and associations with Teve Investment Corporation companies that are self-centered, ranging from financial services, tourism, media, property management. I like the media part. He has a degree in industrial psychology and economics from Rhodes University. I'll tell you a story about rodents, Rhodes University pupils. He holds a Diploma in Project Management from Demlin and a Certificate in Accounting and Finance from Witz Business School. Mr. Mabena opens a conversation with high-level thinking around the state of tourism in South Africa and how he, as a CEO of a leading tourism player in the country, thinks the sector, tourism that is, can be a driver of, now this is interesting, rural economic growth, with a mention of some of Mutsamaya Tourism Group's current projects and how these transform rural economies where they are established. One might think it's obvious, but once you start engaging the conversation, it's less obvious. But there certainly is consensus, broad shared consensus, that the rural economy is where South Africa's economic emancipation really does lie. The viewpoint. You're multilingual as well. I don't want to test that because no, you will no, lose no, me. No, you will no. lose me in the process. Kudel Alexander, so we speak <laughs> virtually everything. That's so my point, uh, and I won't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. Share with us now these projects to the extent that, of course, you can. We're talking about rural economic growth. We're talking about a strained economic period, epoch, mm. really, in mm. the country. And certainly we are very much in need of all inspiration we can get. So perhaps talk to us about tourism at large and where South Africa might be missing one or two low-hanging fruits, but particularly spend some time on the question of rural economic development. I think if I can ask for your permission to Absolutely. expand the discussion be- beyond just rural. Absolutely. To speak about rural and township economies. Yes. I think um, largely to speak around the areas that historically were left outside of the big tourism conversation. So I would probably start by saying post, uh, or rather in our new democracy, Mm. there was a time in South Africa, I mean, let let me just go back to the apartheid days, where tourism was closed off to a lot of our people. Majority. Both as travelers, 
but as well as property owners or even the proprietors of those businesses. And I have the privilege today to have one of the proprietors in our midst here, Usis Lindiwe, in some form or other thing. She's also involved in that space. But I think the bigger conversation is that at some point, we need to start opening up that conversation to invite those people that we had hitherto excluded um, in this conversation. And I think that has got to be done systematically. I think that's a starting point. The, the second one is the beauty of tourism is that tourism is anywhere and everywhere. I mean, uh, the little fish and chips shop could become a big tourist uh, attraction. I mean, you take, for instance, the one in Hout Bay. I don't know if um, you remember the one in Hout Bay where you... Yes, where those seagulls the, are yeah. always there. Yeah, I, I for forget, sure. it's called something on the rocks. I mean, that a place like that is just incredible. It's become such a big attraction on its own. I mean, we drive from Sea Point you to go there, just to yeah, sit there. For, for the fish and chips, right? And then you look at uh, properties, which are guest houses, or it could be hotels, or it could be anything. And then there's also the guy who does um, cycling tours in Soweto, for instance. May um, his soul rest in peace. I forget his name now. And, and I think... If we use those tools to start inviting people who are in those spaces to, to, to participate a bit more actively, it also makes us, those who see ourselves in them, mm-hmm. to equally participate. Yes. So for me, I think that conversation around tourism and transformation is one that happens on both sides, on the traveler side and on the visitor side. And until we do that, we can't open up township and rural economies. We need to be able to say, when you go home, mm. um, you don't have to stay in a hotel in town. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Yes. But you've got to start encouraging people to stay in the, the, the places that are in those areas, to do things in those areas. I mean, some of our best attractions in South Africa are in tourism areas. Sorry, in rural areas. How much yeah. of that really rests on the respective communities feeling the sense of franchise ownership and with that you might include the words pride in engaging their society the way that you propose be the new look into growing these spaces from a tourism perspective i ask this question because for instance villagaza street is well owned Mm. by the people of that community indeed and the growth as a result is obvious for anybody who's ever been there it's 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 a mecca yeah but there are many similar spaces of that kind in South African townships that have stories mm. in South African rural landscapes yeah. that are worth visiting. I mean, you can even talk about the fact that from my rural homestead, there are paintings of the San and the Khoi communities. Now, that's a historical mm-hmm. site of some genuine and significant heritage. But one doesn't get the sense of community ownership, franchise if not pride, sure. how do we then think differently about these spaces that are ours, essentially? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we need to go back to the history of struggle is one area and the history of culture in South Africa. I mean, we, we, we don't have a, we don't encourage the narratives to be told by ourselves about where we come from. Um, I mean, I grew up in part of my life in Alex. And if you think about the history of Alex, um, it doesn't get told as strongly as it should so that you have a sense of ownership by the people around that that particular space. Similarly, part of my life, I lived in the rural areas in what used to be called the former Guandebele. Mm. 
And again, the story of the, the kings and the chiefs of Awumaboho and all those people, we don't unearth them. And I think um, and that's where the ownership comes in. I think Ukoko, Dr. Mashang, is probably yes. one of the best examples of... Beautiful example. ...of unearthing that kind of story and actually making it into a global story. But I think there's thousands of those that we just need to tell a bit more in different That's ways. a serious global story that you just yeah. talked about. And I think on another day, she's worthy of being just on her own, a guest on the show. Well, the time is 21 minutes after the hour, 20 hours. It is a Tuesday, and everybody who knows anything about this platform would know it's a hashtag Tuesday takeover. So I yield the platform now. That was just a teaser as to the content, depth, and quality of my guest, Mr. Jerry Mabena, Chief Executive Officer of Motsamai Tourism Group. It goes without saying, then, his guests are in the tourism sector. I'm not going to steal the shine from him. In the true sense, he's taking over after this break. It is him, guests of his choice. I will just muck about and pretend I'm not here. On the Viewpoint. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Thank you very much uh, and welcome to everyone on the Tuesday Takeover. I think today you've got a township rascal who's going to be hosting a show with some very, very interesting people. And I've got in studio with me a colleague of mine, Janine Adams. Um, and And uh, Sis Lindiwe will tell you a little bit about herself in a minute. But I also have uh, another sister of mine who is actually unfortunately on leave and has come out of leave, Ausmo Seketsi uh, from the IDC, who is also going to be coming in a bit later. So I'm going to just ask my colleagues just to say a little bit about themselves just for a couple of minutes, uh, starting with Sis Lindiwe because she's the one that's more elder than me. <laughs> Is that very PC of you? <laughs> Indeed. <yeah. laughs> so, uh, no, Jerry, thank you so much for the invitation. It's a great honor to be here today. My name is Lindiwe Sangwenisido. Um, when Jerry, my brother, invited, whom I love also as much as he loves me, when he invited me tonight, he said, I'm coming in my capacity as chairperson of the Tourism Transformation Council of South Africa. I just want to declare that we are in a hiatus where my chairpersonship ended at the end of May. But uh, I hope I'll be able to lend some interesting snippets on transformation in our industry. I am the chief operating officer of the City Lodge Hotel Group. And um, I'm also a shareholder of the Soweto Hotel on Freedom Square. Thank you very much, Sis Lindy. I'm going to ask Janine to say a couple of words just about herself. Um, Janine? Thank you very much and thanks again for the invitation. I think um, I was a little bit nervous when um, uh, Jerry asked me to join you um, today. But I think I have a responsibility to share what we're actually doing. It's an amazing project we're working on and I, um, I feel like I want to scream about this project from the top of the roof. 
because of the impact that it can have. So who I am, I'm uh, Head of Operations at Journey, one of the subsidiaries that uh, Jerry manages or is responsible for. And um, we've actually developed uh, this project, um, NTVIS, so implemented the project. And uh, we would just love to tell you about that this evening. So thanks for having me tonight. Once again, just to say that my name is Jerry Mabena. I've taken over on the hashtag Tuesday Takeover. I'm going to also ask Ausmo Seketsi if we can just uh, get Ausmo Seketsi to just come on uh, line just to say hello. And for those of you who want to speak to us at some point, we'll have an opportunity for you to dial in. The number is 011-714-2006. And we look forward to hearing your comments. Ausmo Seketsi, are you online? I am. I am. Yes, we yeah. are. Thanks, thanks so much, um, and evening, everyone. Um, thanks again, uh, uh, Jerry, uh, also for inviting me to be part of this conversation. And hello to Lindy as well. I think, you know, uh, me and her, you know, same with, with you. I think we, we go a long way back, I think, in the tourism sector. So, as indicated, my name is um, Seget Peter. I'm from the IDC, Industrial Development Corporation of South Africa. And we, we, um, I head up the tourism and services uh, business unit. So we really, the, the, the people that uh, provide funding, I think, you know, to the, to the tourism sector. Uh, so that's really, we are you know, probably the, you know, one of the biggest uh, players, I think, in the, in the country. Yeah, as far as tourism is concerned. Yeah, so glad to be here as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask Usislindi a couple of questions just to set the tone for, for our conversation today. And it's going to be a very light-hearted discussion. I think um, we don't want to keep it as heavy as normally we get depressed. But I think we'll start off by saying that all of us know the tourism sector was badly affected by COVID-19. But I think what I would just like to get from Usislindi is just how significant or how important is this sector in transforming the South African economy, particularly post a COVID-19 um, environment? Thanks, Jerry, and, and hi to my sister on the airwaves, Mosegetsi, and evening to Janine. It's lovely to be with the sisters. You're keeping um, all the, the powerhouse ladies around you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we I, just to be in the studio tonight, for me, underscores that we're really coming out of the pandemic. Mm. Um, it's lovely to get into an Uber and to come freely into a building like this and to be able to move around and do what we were, you know, not able to do under lockdown. For, for, for us in the tourism industry, having been locked down for two years, um, where the impact was really, really tremendous in, in a negative way, you know, the loss of jobs, the closing of businesses, uh, and so on and so on. We are now in a significant time where we are talking about what is called tourism recovery. And when we talk about tourism recovery, we look at all the opportunities that we can exploit and explore and uh, ensure that uh, come back to life. And um, one of the greatest things about tourism is it is an easy entry point for many people. It creates jobs for many, many people when, when, when the business model of whatever it is you're offering goes right. Mm, mm. 
it is a great contributor to the GDP. Before COVID, we, 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 we had a lovely place in the sun in terms of our contribution. And, and I think when you counted all aspects of the, the, the tourism value chain, you could even say easily up to 6 to 8% of the mm. GDP came from the tourism sector. So we, we have a, a unique opportunity, I think, in the aftermath of the pandemic to really rally ourselves and uh, bring ourselves back to the position that we had um, so that we can, A, recover all the, as many of the jobs. Uh, we know there's talk of over half a million of jobs that were lost in our industry. Uh, stop the bleeding in businesses that um, struggled without guests, without travelers, without the usual and get to a point where, again, um, we can be taken seriously. Thank you, Sis Lindy. Um, once again, just to remind you to call in on 011-714-2006 or send your voice notes to 0614-104-107. Just a request to keep your notes under one minute and be audible and try and keep your radio off, which is something that I never do um, often when I do these things. Sis Lindy, I just want to stay with you for another minute, and, and if I may, I think just to kind of um, highlight a little bit about where do you see the greatest impact of tourism in, in South Africa? Where can we see that really tourism making that kind of significant move, and, and I'll call it a move and shake the country, so to speak? So, you know, I'll declare that you and I discuss this a lot, Jerry, um, and we talk a lot about rural tourism and township tourism and to use even one of the favorite terms that are flouted, uh, small dorps. So basically saying um, we need to really look at the opportunities that lie in the marginalized communities of our country, where so many experiences and opportunities have not yet been explored. Um, in rural tourism, you find, uh, you know, according to the World Tourism Organization, Rural tourism is actually very much about nature-based activities. Mm. So we, we, we have an opportunity to explore cultural exp experiences, agricultural experiences, um, you know, uh, taking people uh, into the spaces that we are comfortable with. I'll use a quick um, example. This past weekend, I went to my father's home in Newcastle, my late father's home in Newcastle, and we went there for a cultural activity Every June, we clean the community graveyards. Mm. It's a family day. But what I saw, you know, just unpacking itself before my eyes was a different perspective that I had not really looked mm. at. Arriving at what we call the farm, which is my great-grandfather's farm, where uh, our uncle took us through to show us the harvest. And suddenly I saw a storyteller in front of me. Mm. My uncle, you know, the wise sage, 70-something, he's been doing this forever. And little 11-year-old boys and children, my nieces and nephews, listening intently because to them, this is just wonderland. Mm. But suddenly there was a tourism experience. Uh, the storytelling of how the corn is put there, how it will be milled, how it will be taken to the cooperative on Tuesday. Then we went to see the little baby chickens and the marvel of a little one-day chick being bred so that in six weeks it's going to go to sure, sure. its unsuspecting end, <laughs> you know, under someone's uh, arm, and so on and so on. So the, 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 the point I'm making, Jerry, I think is we must also make these experiences reachable. 
I must be able to, as you mentioned earlier on, to see myself <coughs> in it. So the excitement I had was suddenly a place that used to be uh, maybe a schlep to go to because mm. the Makai. Yes. And, you know, there might not be water and there might not be electricity. Suddenly there was actually an aura that said to me, but this is exactly what we're talking about. Mm. Now you set up a place for accommodation, you make sure the infrastructure is right, that people can get there, you make sure that connectivity to Wi-Fi is there so people can ex yep. You know, send messages across the world or across the country to say, guess where I am, which is exactly what I did. Mm. I said, taking a shot left to my father's hood because it really felt like that. And then the pictures of little boys riding bareback as they bring the cows back mm. home, all of that suddenly became an experience which should be packaged. Mm. And I think our responsibility for people who have the experience in the industry is to say, how do we get the private sector and public sector to assist these communities? in exploiting and exploring what is gold in front of them and can be turned into economic activity. Sure. I think you, you mentioned something very interesting, which is the fact that you want these projects or these opportunities to be made accessible to people around us and out there. I'm going to just turn to Janine briefly and just kind of talk about how is that possible, Janine? I think... Uh, you know, when you have a, a rural community, most people, they are very basic people. They just don't, you know, they do all their things in the most elementary manner. How do you think we can help that process? Yes, thanks, Jerry. So we know that everybody has at least a cell phone, even if you are in the rural community. And that's what's the difference between since a couple of years ago now. It doesn't matter where you are, even if you're having to get access via or under a tree, you've got a cell phone. And so um, what that means now is that you have access to markets. And so what better way than through technology to be able to give access to these rural communities who have a service, who have a skill that they want to share, who want to give us experiences, um, to be able to just, and sometimes they just need someone to show them how. So what um, Journey does um, through the technology that we've developed is we make it so much easier for you to actually just tell everybody about what it is that you have to offer. Mm. Very simple pricing, very simple product. You take a picture with your phone and you um, upload that via your phone. So you don't need heavy technology. You no longer need a heavy marketing sure, company. Sure. And um, we're bringing and allowing the technology now um, and making it available to these rural communities, to these service providers to actually say, actually, you can do this. It's so much easier than what you actually mm. think. So, um, yes, uh, through mobile and anywhere, wherever you are, it doesn't matter if you're doing shopping, you can get a ping mm. and quickly you can tell people and you can see that you've re actually received a booking because that's, I mean, money is rolling much faster on the Internet than, than offline. Um, and so we want to give them that access. Thank you. I think along for the day when somebody would be walking down a street in London and they just actually book a property in the middle of the rural area on their phone using technology. I think that will be the most incredible time that we're going to be living in because our people will be able to host people from anywhere in the world. Yes. And I think, but I'm going to go back again to Cicely in this point and, and then link it into Osmo uh, Seketi from a funding point of view because mm. many people have great ideas. Mm. Uh, many people have want to do a lot of stuff. And and then whenever you want to kind of uh, start a project, then you get kind of told that you need to have money and then you go to the commercial banks. Mm. 
and the commercial banks will ask you a whole lot of questions and in the end tell you that they don't have money. But Aus Musaketsi, you work for the IDC and and I think the IDC is referred to as a development finance institution, which is a very big word. It sounds like a mouthful. But it's one of those um, entities that actually operate in a space where development banks, sorry, where commercial banks don't normally operate. Can you tell us a little bit about a development finance institution and how it differs from a commercial bank and how IDC could help Sislindi's uh, friends in the rural areas to be able to, to do something? No, th- thanks, Derek, for that question. I think for for us, uh, probably the, uh, what's key is uh, maybe what uh, Lindy, you know, actually uh, the initiative, the, the whole transformation issue to say, for any project that we fund, we always want to make sure that um, it complies. I think from from uh, BE point of view, it complies, it complies with the tourism charter. And we know that uh, the tourism charter stipulates uh, the level of, you know, black uh, uh, shareholding, women shareholding, that needs to be uh, in a, a specific project. And and I think what's, what's key, and especially as it relates to your rural tourism or, or maybe even townships, because, you know, we realize that, you know, in, in those kind of environments, a lot of people uh, maybe that will, will go and wanting to invest there will primarily maybe be somebody that's coming in from Houghton or elsewhere. Because I think tourism, as you know, is very capital intensive, and especially when you now starting to look at you know, investment in books and motors and so on. So so money will find, uh, the bulk of the funding will then come from outside, I think, that area. But what we always drive towards is for say, maybe the community or even a, a, a staff, if maybe a, a trust can be formed, to say you need to have the community uh, uh, in that area to become, you know, shareholders, I think, in the project. And and I mean, you, you would know, I think, with some of our projects that we've worked with you, and, and the same, I think, with, with Lindy, that I think that's that's probably one of the of the main things that, you know, we really, really drive, I think, as, as IDC, because for us, uh, you know, it's really striking a balance between being financially sustainable as, a, as an institution and making sure that, you know, we also adhere to the to the transformation objectives, you know, the development objectives of job creation, of women ownership, of you know, creating black industrialists, I think, uh, and so on. And you will find then when we consider funding of, say, maybe projects like that, that, you know, in the main, I think, meet our our transformation, you know, a KPI as an example, then maybe there could be consideration for um uh, maybe a, a concessionary uh, a funding that then it gets uh, made available where you know either you know uh, maybe a slight reduction I think in interest rate and so on. But I think most importantly as well we also try and and wanting to make sure that you know even the community uh, from that area they get employed if it's a staff trust because again the transfer of skills is also one thing as well that you know uh, in most cases then gets underestimated where we've seen in a number of projects that we funded where you know you have People that are starting out, maybe some as cleaners that, you know, over the years they get promoted and, you know, they are able to then acquire the, the, the skills. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, in summary, Jerry, for, for us, it's really not just a matter of, you know, us being sustainable, making profits, I think, as, a, as an institution, but it's really, you know, uh, striking the balance. 
and that's really where I think our our development focus is, you know, as it relates to, you know, all the other uh, development objectives. Yeah. Thanks. Taken at break at this point in time, I understand. So. On SAFM. My name is Jerry Mabena. I'm your Hashtag Tuesday Takeover guest, and I've taken over the show. I'm trying to find Songhezo in the room here, but apparently he's running around playing Candy Crush or tending back to his Tamagotchi, I understand. So as soon as he's back at work, Songhezo, you must end your pay here. Uh, he'll be back around 9 o'clock. Please uh, call us on 011-714-2006 or send your voice notes to 0614-104-107. Please keep them under one minute. At this point, I'm going to take a few calls on the line. I've got Sipo from Cocktruck in Pumalanga. Sipo, good evening. Good evening, Mr. Mabena. How are you, my brother? Yes, I'm with my partner, Believe Mabona. Um... We just want to ask a question, Mr. Mabena. Yes, sir. Yes, and how are the developments in terms of the youth around the villages? As I'm from Pumalana and I'm in Kruger Shalati. So I just want to ask about the developments around the youth. And secondly, as a comment, I will just say, try, say thanks to the development that we have come up with at Kruger Shalati. We are one of the entrepreneurs that were taken by Shalati. Oh wow! To, okay. To 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 run a bakery. So we needed to be polished there and there, so that we can be fit for the new business and the new market that we have discovered in Kruger National Park. So we just want to thank that to Kruger National to to, to Kruger Shalat. Oh, I didn't know it was you, Sipo. Bunjan Put. Um, we call them the Baker Boys. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so. the Baker Boys. <laughs> um. These guys are phenomenal. I think they were running a small bakery, I think, around Mkutlu in, uh, in Pumalanga. And we partnered with them running a program where we developing them to be full-on artisanal bakers. So we're very excited about it. But I think, again, I think they make an example of the fact that the talent is out there. Young people have got a lot to offer. We just need to give them those opportunities and Sipo, thank you and all of the best. I saw your clip where you guys were being trained to make artisanal bread. I was very excited. Yes, yes today we're making a bread and a lot of bread and even tomorrow. And there's a tea party for the staff. I think the staff is going to test the bread tomorrow. Yeah, I don't get invited to these ones. I get to come there when I have to work. So we'll, we'll, we'll move off from Sipo and take a call from Anele. Anele, how are you? Good and yourself, Mr. Mabena. Fine, thanks. How are you doing? Are you well? I'm very good. Um, I'm really inspired by your story and I'm really inspired by the fact that you are surrounded by a very brilliant and smart woman. Thank you. Uh, just a quick question. We, as you know, Mr. Mabena, in South Africa, we experience a very, experiencing a very high rate in terms of youth unemployment. I'm just asking how are, how are you willing to go about actually tackling the, the high rate of unemployment? I think I'm going to take that question and I won't ask answer it myself, but I'm going to give my panel an opportunity to respond at some level by asking them direct questions, if it's okay. Um, okay. Sis Lindy, I think um, for me, it, it's one of those things that I think 
we need to be spreading the tourism to, to, to other areas. I think, do you want to comment a little bit on that one? Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that question because I think it's an important one. The, the, the youth are currently really, really uh, one of the sort of hardest hit in terms of unemployment. Um, there are many ways, I think, that we should all be applying our minds to skin this cat. I think, you know, uh, one can first of all refer to um, the, the, the YES program the youth employment program that um, is driven uh, through the presidency and I know Harambe mm -hmm. uh, which yeah. is uh, one of the sort of um, NGOs that is doing a lot of work on the ground in finding opportunities for youth. I, I want to say I like the example of Sipo and the bakery mm. because I think that's where the youth should be thinking. When Sipo spoke <coughs> I immediately thought of the tourism value chain. Sure. And I come from a hoteling background, so it's very natural for me to always, you know, fall back to what I'm comfortable with, and that's accommodation and the world of hotels. Whereas when you look at the value chain and you think about who else needs bread, mm. you know, an opportunity to, I don't know how a SIPO would have started, but they've now, you know, they're, they're called the baker boys, they've got skills. Providing bread for Shalati means that they have opportunities to provide bread for many more lodges mm. in that area uh, as well as even beyond the tourism industry. Mm. COVID woke up, woke me up and woke us all up to recognizing also how diverse we need to be. So you would want a product that you can, you know, um, sell or provide to other markets besides the hotel industry or the lodging industry. So coming back to the youth, I think it's really to encourage you to, if you are interested in the tourism industry, do a little bit of a deep dive and do your research. You know, you all have phones with mobile data somewhere somewhere along the line. And find the opportunities on the value chain where you could get exposure. Our industry I spoke about earlier on is an, is an easy entry industry. It doesn't pay big bucks, but it's an easy industry if you're willing to wash dishes, scrub a few floors. I always tell people that I scrubbed many toilets before mm. I became what mm. I became in order to humble yourself, but to also get your foot in the door. So I always encourage, you know, uh, uh, think broadly, go across the, the, the value chain and start looking for those opportunities where you think you could make a difference. Thank you. I'm just going to also ask Ausmo Sekete to comment a little bit about this question that Anele asked earlier on, because Anele asked the question of how do you counter youth unemployment, which is very high in South Africa, and particularly in the area that they're living. We have in excess of 70% of the young people are unemployed. So if someone is in a rural area and they've got a brilliant idea from a tourism product, how do they begin to engage with the funding process? Because I think that's the one of the most difficult things that they find themselves having to deal with. Do, do, do you have a, a view on that one? Yeah, no, certainly. Um, so we we have offices, I think, you know, throughout, uh, um, throughout the country, so all, all the provinces. We have regional managers, so yeah. So I, I think in, in some cases, I mean, where you know, we have larger provinces, we even have, you know, sort of you know satellite offices. But and I think the way that we we sort of work, we we, we try to um, collaborate even with other sort of you know DFIs where you will find maybe to be IDC, to be CDA, uh, to assist with the business plan, to be NEF, and 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 so on. So, so from a from a funding, I think point of view, because you know, again, uh, you know, as as DFIs, I think there's there's many of us uh, that we fund. We also try not to 
you know, duplicate, you know, each other. Uh, uh, you will find uh, within IDC, we now have uh, the regional offices. Uh, they really, they look at more uh, smaller funding amounts up to 15, up to 15 million. So we call them small business finance, which is really where, you know, a lot of your, 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 say, clients or people that are calling in could, you know, typically be assisted, I think, you know, fairly quickly enough. Uh, because then the guys in the region, they are closer to the project if they need to go there and, and visit. But, you know, in the main, you know, Jerry, it's still, you know, the the same, like, you know, the submission of the business plan. And, you know, once I think we are we assess it and we are able to see that, you know, there is merit, then we can then be able to process the application. And again, I must, must you know, uh, state as well that, like I mentioned, you know, we will have your CEDAS that will maybe if you fall short somewhere, they can come in and then assist you also with the development of a of a of a business plan. So I think we're also trying to align ourselves, I think, as as DFIs because, you know, there was a whole lot of confusion, I think, in the market where, you know, people don't know who to go to for what. So I I, I yeah, so we're trying to really make it make it easy. But I think to to the point as well that uh, Lindy as well raised, I think, about the whole multiplier effect. I mean we we've seen it in a couple of um your lodges that will, will will find in sort of you know your rural areas where maybe they like you know look at areas like your Madikwes and so on where you know you won't necessarily have you know your big companies like your big vest that will be coming in the morning to pick up the laundry to go you know uh, and wash the towels and and bring them back like you know the example around the bridge and so on so you find in in those rural areas where you don't then have that uh, sort of support infrastructure you now have new businesses that are now starting to emerge where you can have a, maybe a group of ladies that form a company and then they do the laundry. They maybe start with one, but then they do another one. Others maybe to revisit tables, others. So so I think it's really a question of, you know, the, the opportunities I think are, are, are always there. And, and, and what I find as well is, and especially with the community in the rural areas, because then again, you're dealing with community that you find they know each other. So even when when maybe there is a, it's a community they have sort of formed a trust, it's a lot easier because already they are structured in terms of you know being being able to pick up and identify those gaps uh, where maybe they can uh, start you know establishing you know the businesses and and maybe supporting whatever the hotels and lodges that are in that area. Thank you, Osmo Seketi. I'm going to take uh, Victor again in Pumalanga. Good evening, sir. A very good evening to you, Victor. How are you doing? Hello, Gamraji. To Victor Mushalaki. Oh, Tabela Victor Lega. Victor Gamraji. Eh, I'm a one steward here at Salati, and thanks for the opportunity that Salati, Eric Lenyona, just came back from Cape Town to learn more about wine. And listening to the guys, that I work with them. Uh, my question is: Is there any chance whereby we will the 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 the, the, the Mutamai or Yubrajeri that side uh, can have a uh, to teach the guys in a rural area about wines and especially in the hospitality sector. That sounds very exciting. I think uh, you're speaking to the wrong guy because I'm a big fan of wines. So any opportunity that I have to train somebody about wines, which means I get to drink them, um, is more than welcome. So 
I think there'll be many more opportunities coming through. I think we've got a number of projects that we are going to be launching there. We are busy working on a Skywalk project in, uh, in outside of Kraskop. So that will present yet again other opportunities for young people to come into that particular space. And and yeah, and I think that thank you very much and for for calling in. I really appreciate all the work that you do at Shalati. Thanks, thanks, Bravik. Thank you, Bravik. Uh, uh, Sis Lindy wants to say something quickly. Sis Lindy, I, I really want to. I want to challenge. Uh, is it Victor? So Victor immediately when he said he's a wine steward and said he's been to Cape Town tells us that he is skilled. He has a specialization. How about you starting a wine clinic? that you can take around in training people in remote areas mm. like mm. the rural areas, Victor. That's a challenge. Those are the sort of things we want to challenge yeah. young yeah. people. Yeah. You've got the skill and others don't. Where we can come in, maybe Jerry and others can guide you to how to write that business plan and to get yourself going. But right there is an opportunity. Wine clinics for remote areas and you've got so many opportunities for clients. I'm not trying to take you away from Shalati. Mm, I can but, see that. <laughs> but, but, but Jerry would be so happy to see you becoming a big mogul in the wine industry. If I could add to that, sure. I think what I want to say to the young youth people, uh, of, uh, and especially the unemployed, is that in tourism you don't need permission to enter the market. It's the easiest I shouldn't say the easiest, but it's one of the easiest industries. Mm, it's low to barriers enter. to entry, yes. 100%. Mm. Tourism is all around us. Mm. Where you you turn from to the left, the right, it's all over. Um, if you are able to identify experiences, that's tourism. And people are willing to pay for that. People sure. are willing to pay for experiences. And as a young person, you have value. The first thing my mother taught me was to volunteer. Mm. So the first thing you do when you, you're not looking for a job, you're wanting to add value, you don't have to work for money. If you start working and as you go, you're going to find the opportunity to make the money. Yep. And there are gogos around there who are offering a service who need you to digitize and sell their product. You, don't, you can sell just about anything. So th the one thing I do know about young people today is that you can sell. And if you can sell tourism, you can sell anything. So yeah, I just want to, maybe before I take the, the next call, to ask Janine to just comment quickly, Janine, on if somebody's got a guest house or a little business that rides bicycles or mm -hmm. does tours, how does a product like Jenny help them? So and and how much does it cost? I think, uh, I think it's an important thing to, to say, though. Yes, maybe I should first say that it costs you nothing. <laughs> okay. So... Today, the issue is that a lot of the bookings are being made manually. So somebody's got some black book or an ex of the fancy, some of the fancy establishments or, or offerings are, the bookings are being made via an Excel spreadsheet. And with Journey, um, what we're providing is in, in fact an opportunity for you to upload your product onto the, onto mm. the net mm. so that travelers can find you. Or what, what do you want? You want to be found, you want accessibility, you want someone sitting at 10 o'clock at night searching for a product to find you. And um, what you need is just an opportunity to upload your rates, upload your pictures, tell them what you're doing. I'm selling a bike ride. I'm selling a, I've got a room to rent or um, I have an experience. Let mm. me, I have, mm. I'm cooking special food. Let me give you a Cape Malay experience. 
So you can put that product on uh, via your phone, upload that uh, so easily. You, you, you need data. You have access. You can self-onboard. Mm. And, um, and the, the rest is history. You then uh, people are able to search and find your, your experience, and they can quickly buy from that. And guess what? The money gets paid into your account, and um, you can start uh, commercializing your, your, your offering. So thanks, Janine. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Just one last question from Lucky before Songezo comes back. I think he's finished playing his Candy Crush. Um, so I've had such fun. Uh, I would love to take over his job <laughs> right now. Lucky? I'm not sure if we've lost Lucky there, but... Um, Just one last question. Okay, we've lost Lucky. That's fine. So we've lost Lucky, um, unfortunately. But perhaps uh, to ask uh, my guest to just closing comments, um, if it's okay, my boss. Thank boss. you. Sis Lindy? I really think um, there are great opportunities for us to uh, recover uh, in a dynamic way when it comes to tourism and to look at the new areas that we've been talking about. I'm so encouraged by the calls that came from the young people at Shalati. And I urge all of us to really look deep into new areas. We talk about digitization, which a lot of us don't know about. Mm. Young mm. people know more about it. But really uh, look for every opportunity that you can on that value chain that, uh, you know, that might not be the obvious one, but might be the area that you can add value to yeah. uh, in order for us to see you also enjoying the exploits of the tourism industry. Thank you. Osman Seketi, any final words? Yeah, I think uh, from my side, uh, Jerry, it's really a question of, you know, probably one of the lessons that are sort of uh, coming through from COVID is uh, we're now hearing of uh, new terminologies of people, you know, living in the big cities, you know, semigrating to your smaller towns. And and that, you know, potentially is going to create a new economies, I think, in those uh, in those areas. As you know, money now moves from your 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 you know traditional you know urban areas maybe to your to your smaller towns. So, mm. so I think we're watching that very closely because we think I think it is gonna I think change the the future of tourism, and and what is it that we will be funding in the future? Thank you so Thank much, Osmo Sekit, and to my panels, Janine, you have the last word. Uh, any closing <laughs> remarks? Maybe, maybe just to say that it's um, much easier than you think to get your product online. Mm, mm. And um, to the young people, don't ask for permission. The market is open. You are able to solve problems. You only have to look around. I think I can't agree more with Sis uh, Lindy that there are problems to be solved. You only have to do a little bit of research, not much. They could mm. walk down the road. And um, the tourism industry needs you. And um, you um, have the opportunities for you are vast. So to the tourist, uh, to the suppliers of, of products, it's so much easier for you to um, add on um, and then get some of those sales. Butsongezo, thank you very much for having us here today. I think uh, the team here has been absolutely amazing. And to you listeners at home, um, thank you so, 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 so much. Songezo will be back after the news with Mr. Greg Kose. And I would like to bid you a very good night and thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.